check. You hype. You hype. <laughs> you hype. This is episode 119 of the Carrying the Culture show. I'm hyped about this one. Super hyped about, about this one. We got a man, Vex the Vortex, 90s missile launcher group, slept on group. Wish they had more joints. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Boogie Monsters. Woo! Let's do it. Let's let's do it. So uh, first and foremost, thank you very much, man, for for um, rocking out, man. I, I, you don't really do these things very much, so you know what I mean. It's true. Um, I appreciate you yeah. for, yeah, for taking the time to come. You know what I'm saying to come out and chat chat with us. So um, are you doing all right? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm blessed. You know what I mean. Like when I was coming up, like rock. Kim was like, you know, somebody I looked up to and he was real scarce. Like when it came to like shows and like seeing him outside the music videos, I always looked up to him for that, for like stealthiness that he had as an MC. And maybe it was just because I was real young at the time. Like I really wasn't able to go to the Fresh Fest or here and there that I didn't see him. Yeah. But it was just like a persona of him like being larger than life and you only saw him every once in a while. So in my own career, I kind of moved that way too. Like, you know, just pop up here and there on the humble. <laughs> I know that I noticed that. I like it though. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the, the. I appreciate the cats that this, playing. I mean, the 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 you know playing the back. I appreciate the inspector deck type dudes that, oh. but you know, and and so we're gonna get into it before we get started. Uh, a couple quick things. If you guys have questions, um, please use the questions feature below. It has a question mark there. We can pull it up. Um, but we do. This is a structured build, so you know we'll try to get to it if we can. Um, and um, yeah, we're gonna jump right into it, man, because this is a critical interview, and I have limited time based on my IG uh, bank account. They don't let me do shit, so um, I got only got an hour. I'll be by four hours. Only got an hour, so we're gonna get into it. Um, so I want, what I want to do is I want to like kind of start from the beginning, and then and I want to look at I want to compare some stuff to your Wikipedia to the well, to the Boogie okay. Monsters. Because yeah, I just want to, you know what I'm saying? Be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, All right. So, so because you know, here's the thing that's important for me. You made, you guys made your mark. You made your mark in hip hop, and, and because of different things, you know, like only had a couple albums, and then it's like it wasn't talked about as much. And hip hop, something that you know, we don't really document stuff well enough. And, and so, to me, it's important because we talked about it on the phone, and we can talk about it here. Like you played such an important role in my like uh, early, like 19, 20, 20-year-old 20 kid, as a 20-year-old kid, that shit's crazy. So um, I wanted to get in, really wanted to get into um, your story, man, because it's it's important. It, it is important. Like, <laughs> and, and, and so I know you've been reluctant at times to maybe share some things or whatever, and whatever you don't feel like talking about, you don't have to talk about. But I'm just saying, like, the, the music side of, like, you know, you guys made some dope shit. And like it was pivotal, it, it impacted a lot of people more than maybe you know, and that's why uh, it, this is important as well. So, you ready to rock? Yeah, all day. Let's go. Yeah, you were born in Alaska. Like, just start there. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go. Like, what? Uh, Pops got drafted into the army in '69. He had to go to Vietnam, like a lot of brothers did at the time. So once he got in, he sort of stayed in. It became his career, and um, 
he sort of was like one of those military cats that moved from base to base every three years or so. So in 69, my sister was born, my older sister, Tasha, who's on the God Center album um, a few times. Um, so she was born in 69. He was kind of over there. He came back, went to Korea, came back. Went, we went to Alaska. Um, I'm not sure if I was conceived in Alaska, but that's where they were, you know, when I was born. So I was born in Fairbanks on some small military installment, like a, like a little Eskimo. <laughs> I stayed there until maybe I was like three or four years old. I had very vague memories, um, mild summers. You know, you could wear shorts in the tank, but then there was years where it'd be like six months of light, if I remember correctly, and six months of darkness. They got pictures of me in the living room with my little stroller and complete darkness, you know, like the lights are on in the house, but then you could tell that it's like super dark outside or whatever. So, yeah, I'm kind of like the fist of the North Star, I guess. Have you gone back <laughs> all, like over the years or anything? I, I mean, like, you probably moved move soon after, I assume, right? Yeah, so, I think I stayed there until I was three or four. We came back down towards VA, where a lot of my family's from. Like, most of my family's uh, down towards Spotsylvania, Fredericksburg area. Uh, so, little, little, little spot supply where my mom is from. Nobody's really heard of that spot. It's got a pretty small population, you know what I mean? So, we moved there. I ended up in Germany, where I really got into hip-hop over there. Then I moved to New York. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Fort Hamilton, but right under the Verrazano Bridge where they um, shot Saturday Night Fever or whatever, there's, a, there's an army installment called Fort Hamilton. So I was uh, stationed there for a few years at Fort Hamilton High School in Brooklyn where I met my man Lee, you know, from Bush Babies, Lee Majors. We met, we met there. Um, each other in Brooklyn in the ninth grade or whatever. So, oh, word, big up, Lee. That's, that's your man? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's word, my that's man, 50 grand. Yeah, you know, we go way back like spines, you know what I mean? Oh, word, big up, yeah. Bush Baby. That's my, that's, that's good dude. My yeah. little Bush Baby, yeah, that's, that's like family, man. What's weird about it is that, you know, we did a talent show together at, at our high school and everybody loved it. I performed a song called Master of Metaphors and he was on stage with me. So, um, after I, you know, after I moved, we kind of like lost contact. Turns out, as soon as we were sort of about to release Riders of the Storm, I hear about a group called Bush Babies from Brooklyn. I'm like, okay, that's ill. I find out that it's Lee. <laughs> so it's like, we sort of have these parallel paths. You know what I mean? We had a sort of like a reggae dancehall vibe in our music. He had the dancehall vibe coming to his music. You know, we met in Brooklyn. We re-met right as the records were coming out. So yeah, it's sort of like a tie to Boogie Babies, you know what I mean? Or the, or the Bush Monsters, you feel me? So, like, would you consider yourself, I mean, because it's very, I moved around a lot, too, so it's funny that you, it's just weird, I'm like, comparing it, and, like, where where were you the longest? Like, you know, because I was, and I'll say, like, formative years are, like, maybe, like, 10 to 16, or 10 to, like, where were you, or were you bouncing all around? It's all equal. I went from Alaska, I think we were in Texas for a minute, we were in Kentucky, I moved out here. Yeah. remember. Yeah, it's like every. <laughs> three years we would come in increments and we'd be crying like we just got used to this place. We don't want to leave our friends. You know, Army don't get it. like, yeah, y'all gotta go into the, the you know, into this assignment. So we went from there to Fort Meade out here in Maryland. That's where I, I currently reside in Maryland. I kinda came back this way after being in New York, you know, with the Moogie Monsters and all that. So um yeah, Fort Meade, went to Germany, then I ended up in Brooklyn. And you know, I ended up my family, you know, my dad retired out the army family moved down back down to Virginia and that's where I met Al, Sean. We went to Virginia State. 
ended up meeting Bondo, and that's the beginning of the group. But so yeah, where, every three uh, years, basically, we would move. Damn, when I was like, but I moved a lot. Like that's a lot, man. And and that's yeah. a that's a. It's interesting though because you know I can tell like in your music, and then like what you it's like you picked. It feels like you picked up things along the way, like you know just little little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of. You know, like you're an interesting dude, man. That's why I want to talk. Like you're so interesting. Like, like I want to study you and shit. Like for real, son. Like I tell people, I've lived enough life for seven people. You know what I mean? And it is hoods around the world. And as a kid, I got to experience some of those. You know, some of those adult experiences as a kid. You know, in Germany, we lived off the base. We got to go off into this, you know, weird small uh, German town called Dippers, just me and my family, and experience life out there with the Germans. You know what I mean? come back on the army base and go to school or whatever. So I got a lot of little different experiences that allowed me to meet so many different personalities, people from different walks of life, all races, cultures, et cetera. It, you know what I mean? It's dope in retrospect. I mean, like maybe when you're going through it, cause mine was more of a divorce like thing, but it's dope when you're going, you know, you can look back and be like, man, I picked up all this, but you know, as a kid, it's probably like, damn, man, I love friends, I want to play. Like, yeah, you know I mean? it's, it's it's some pros and cons to it. In some ways, you get separation anxieties, you know, and when you um attach to people, like how many you have a connection, that is, that attachment or that connection that we now have is much stronger, I would say, than the average, because you know, I, I'm used to losing people. You know, you've been forced to be ripped apart from a lot of people that you might love, genuinely love. And there's nothing against them at all, and they got nothing against you. It's just like you gotta say goodbye physically because it's too many miles. So some people will write letters back in the day before emails. You know, you start with the letters and write back and forth to people with different locations. But you know, it's hard to keep that up as a youth. You know what I mean? So, so you gotta gotta cut ties and start again and meet yeah. new friends, etc. But yeah, it has its ups and it has its downs. Yo, so yeah. where did the um, like when when and where did the music? come in for you even i'm saying pre-boogie monsters like like where did you you know fall in love with that and say yeah i want to you know do this or this is important to me good question um i would say i was about nine years old we were here in maryland on fort me and there was a small radio station called webd i don't know if you heard about it but it was part owned by james brown it was an am radio station and they started banging out like the stuff that we were hearing on cassette tapes back then like UTFO, TLA Rock, um, African Men by the Soul Sonic Force. Like we just got like a whole palette of like exposure to, to this music we had never heard before. So between like artists like TLA Rock, I would say UTFO, um, of course, you know African Men by the Zulu Nation, and then even with all of the Milestone of controversy that surrounds some of that now, all of that was real influential on me. Me and my brother started b-boying, you know what I mean? We got the linoleum tile, we started learning how to break and level pop and all of that, and taking it out places and going to picnics and parties and kind of doing our thing in Maryland. And then we got shipped to Germany. So in Germany, graph was real big, you know what I mean? Like high school, people were drawing the big bubble letters and floating characters with tangles and Adidas. And, you know, the, the Berlin Wall was up at the time when we were over there. So graffiti was a big part of that, like painting on this wall or trying to get to the wall to leave a mark or whatever at the time. So, yeah, I just learned about a lot of graph. And um, the way we kept up with hip hop over there was strictly cassette tape. You know, people would bring like a cassette with like Lottie Dottie to high school with a box and play it. Like, yo, y'all heard this? Lottie Dottie. We all just like, yo, what's this? Man, the irony of you like, 
getting a really big hip hop experience early in Germany. You know what I mean? Is is it's kind of interesting. You know when you when you when you look at it of of, of all places. You know saying this, but it's it's dope. It does show that it, to me. It shows the power of like of of real hip hop moving organically. You know globally, what I mean? Yeah, and globally early on. You know without those tapes and without people that I knew who were keeping that culture going, even though we were overseas, no one would have not really known that, that was going on. Or like me sharing it with you right now, it really goes untold. Um, two real crazy things about that, that experience I'll share with you real quick. One, Shaq went to my school. <laughs> Shaq threw me in the trash can one time, matter of fact. Shaq? So, yeah, just joking around. He, he dumped me in the trash can. Oh, bye. Hey, yo, yo, what you doing, bro? You know what I mean? Shaq went to my school. He was like all all Wait, Europe. Oh, Shaq threw you in the trash can. Yeah, yo. <laughs> he probably don't remember. He might not remember me because we haven't been in contact since then. But yeah, he had a little crush on my sister, I believe, at the time. I think yeah, maybe I don't know. Rub that out anyway. But yeah, <laughs> you, you know, used to you know force around in the hallways. He dumped me one time. Yeah, just a little fun fact. Uh, what was the other thing? I got to see Beastie Boys and Run DMC in like Frankfurt, Germany at a big coliseum. I don't know where they had it exactly, but they took all all those youngins up there, like a bus, standing out there in front of the stadium, the helicopter flies by, they're like, it's Run DMC. We didn't even know if it was running DMC in the helicopter, but you know, got to see them early on, like on the um what was that? Yo, so I threw you in the trash can. <laughs> Wait, hold no, on, no, like I, I I'm having a hard He's time. Still like, on that. <laughs> this, this was this was this was in Germany? This was in Germany. So cause he his because his pops was um military. His pops was military. And what happened was he got he kinda got started playing basketball in the high school that we went to together for the for the American high school. Then so he was the type of cat running around in the hallway with gazelles on and like a bomber, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he had his b-boy thing going early on. He was into this. Like people think he probably just spit it, you know, spitting commercially because they heard him spit and rap playing rhyme, but he was he was into it from way back in the day. You know what I mean? So yeah, this is that's probably gonna that's probably gonna get us much replay value, that one fact. <laughs> no, that, that, that's I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, that's that's the joint I'm gonna post. I mean, I'm not gonna as far as far as a as far as a promo clip, I mean I'm definitely I mean, I think everybody here would agree that's that's probably the one. So that's easy pure, to pure hilarity. That's, I mean, that's crazy. You got thrown into a, sh a trash can by Shaq. I mean, I'm just like picturing that, like, you know what I mean. So, all right. So let's take us to so you get you're in hip hop or whatever. Like, you get this go, go to you're in college. So you go to Virginia State. Or Vir yeah. You go Virginia to Virginia State. University. State University. Yep. And then you and, and then some all the homies they were at Virginia Union, right? Well, one was at Virginia Union. So what happened was, got out of high school. I resided in Virginia with my family at the time. I meet Al and Sean in high school, you know, two of the original Boogie Monster squad. So they were from Long Island. Their parents happened to make that same move and just were in the same town, little town, suburban town that I happened to move to, you know, that was near where my family's from. So we all immediately quit because, you know, we had just all come down from New York. So we would sit around. I'm playing, you know, video music box and watching Canes and Juice Crew and all of that stuff that was real hot at the time. Um, basically, from like 10th, 10th or 11th grade to 12th. Then me and Al decided, okay, you know, since they were brothers, you know, we all clicked. We were like, let's go to, you know, 
to the state. Man, cool people up there. The, the school is live, bro. You know what I'm saying? You got to come to my school. You talk to my parents, you know, figured everything out as far as apartment and all that. I'm off campus, freshman off campus. Like, yeah. <laughs> Having a ball, you know what I mean? Living my best life, first time out from under the parents. You know, my parents are Christian people. God bless them. He Baptist. Pretty strict. I didn't get to go to a whole bunch of parties and all that. I didn't get to rock my fat laces to every event. You know what I mean? When I got to college, we, we, you know, we out there. We trying to get ourselves out there. Not only, like, getting known amongst the black community, but also pushing this music thing. We all kind of, like, dancing. We like, listening to B-Boy and the Cyphers and all of that battles. And, and, and I was in the rhyme, so it was originally like called Vexed and the Boogie Monster. So they were more or less like the strap, doing backflips, you know I'm saying, up rocks and all that. Like, these dudes, it's really nasty. I really wish they would have put more of it into what we was doing, but they decided they wanted to MC, which we'll get to. But anyway, you know, so we were kind of like, you know, one rhymer, two, two dudes in the back killing me, you know what I mean? So then we go to state, we meet Mondo. Um, it's kind of like, performing at talent shows, trying to do stuff. So this one show happens where Atlantic Records is there, a couple of big labels is coming to like scout for talent. So we didn't really have the money to build the promo packet that they wanted, which is like a photograph, black and white headshot, and, you know, package, you know, that wanted to see us as artists. So we pulled Mondo on to kind of pool all our money together. As four people, it gave us enough money to like do the packaging, get our stuff together. We kind of liked how he rhymes. He was rhyming in another squad called Hit MC, Heads in the Midst of Chaos with my man Reggie, uh, rest in peace. So him and Reggie kind of like decided, yeah, go with the Boogie Monsters, you know what I mean? So then it became Boogie Monsters. We performed a few more shows. I think we got like second place in that show. So people were pushing us on. And it becomes a point where people stop asking you if you're going to come out. There's a point where people are asking us, yeah, when y'all coming out? Yo, y'all need to come out. When are y'all coming out? You know, it was, our school was pushing us to the forefront. Like, y'all need to get out there with this. So we went to Howard. We performed at Howard that year at the, you know, hip-hop convention and we won, like, first place in, in one of the shows. I think it was sponsored by, like, Joe Jackson, which is pretty big. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we got first place in that. Took the money in that. We created our, like, official demos. And then we went back up to New York to shop, you know, shop for our deal or whatever. Who, who was doing the beats? Uh, um, you you so for that first album you, you who like you guys made the uh, originally like on our demos we were the type of people buying little samplers and taking you know taking the vinyl and making them songs the way we wanted them you know it didn't have the best sound quality we didn't have a bunch of equipment at school but we were able to utilize some of the stuff that we could purchase and then like the school radio station would let us go in there and do recording sometimes so um, we built our demo basically on the aesthetics that we like, which is sort of like an old school, soulful sample type style, you know, uh, Barry White samples, Teddy Pendergrass samples, all the songs you hear on Riders were kind of laced with some other classic stuff behind it. But when we went to do sample clearance, the label was like, look, <laughs> y'all got some super big, you know, samples. Y'all want Voyage to Atlantis or Ovan Jacobs Well? Like, we can't, we can't give y'all all of this stuff. Y'all gonna have to kind of replay some of this stuff, redo it. So, the original ideas came from us, and then our, our producer at the time, Derek, Derek Jackson, D, he um, came in and sort of built around the stuff that we built, kind of as like the skeleton, brought in live instrumentation, brought in people who were really good with the SP, 
et cetera, et cetera, and kind of and, built around that. And it sort of became a collaboration. Right. And, and like that was the first time that Scott Storch was really doing some work too, right? On your first joint. Austin the Roots, I would say. He was also on the first Roots project. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, of course. So him and Derek Jackson was kind of floating amongst the two projects. He would go and work on their stuff, come back, work on ours. You know what I mean? So we knew we were out there. We were, weren't really getting an ear, you know, an ear listen to what they were doing, but we had heard about them. Matter of fact, I met Tariq in, in the park, in the village, in the park, matter of fact. We spit some verses for each other. Um, he has this real ill song from back in the day where he like impersonates Guru, Busta Rhymes, Sticky Fingers. If you know Tariq's like round repertoire, you can imagine that. He kills it. He sounds like everybody. So I was talking to him about that song. We had a cool exchange and then they came out too. You know, so it's kind of like Bush Baby, Roots, us. You know what I mean? As he came out, we started to rub elbows with Daylight. Yeah, you know, so what was the energy like behind the forming of the group? Like, you guys weren't just like a regular rap group to me. I mean, like, to me, your trajectory was Native Tongue, De La, Hyro, like-ish type, you know, to, to typecast. So it, it, your shit was dope. The first album to me is a all-time classic. The second album, although I thought was different, I still think was, was solid. I saw the direction that you guys were going in. But what was the energy like like going into that first album and saying, okay, this is the project we're going to come out with? Because that it just, it was mind-blowing, man. I mean, it really, really was. And I think, like, to just understand, like, your, your thought patterns going into that, like, what was that all about? Got you. Architect 7, some of my fam is just tied to that area, Fredericksburg, King George Supply where a lot of my family roots are. You know, and as it, as it says here, architect, motherfucker, you know better, nigga, you on my page, B. Look, man, it says, <laughs> use questions, feature, fam. That's what questions go. And we, so this is how it works. We build. If we have time for questions, we get to them. Architect, man, you know this shit, nigga. Damn. It says right there, man. Shit, B. <laughs> You good, though. Uh, you good. We're going to move on. That's my, that's my, you know, on my page. That's what I do. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, come on, man. This is right, this right here. Okay. So, back to back to what you asked me. I remember the question. The whole process kind of goes back to my creativity, you know, as a as a hip-hop MC, a hearing Rakim, a hearing KRS-One, and all these people that, you know, that came prior to me, I was really challenging myself to do things, one, that hadn't been done before. And two, bringing something new to the table. You know what I mean? So a lot of times with songs and the formulations of the songs that you guys got to hear, it starts out with a sound title sometimes. So I'll start there. You know what I mean? I get an idea that just looks good as a song title. And I got that, I think, from digging in the crates. You know, you might be digging in the crates and find an SOS band record and you flip it over and you see Sands of Time. And you're like, Sands of Time? You try to imagine what it sounds like when you play it. You're like, oh, you get like this enlightenment on their perspective of those phrases and words that are used as song titles. So a lot of times a, a song title will drop on me, you know what I mean? And I would kind of paint the picture that the title made, you know, made me think about, or maybe a verse would come to me, you know, or just a random one 16 bar verse. And then I'm like, yo, old man Jacob's well, wow, that's deep. Let me try to flush it out or, or pull Mondo in and, and create uh, another part where he's the kid and I'm, old man Jacob, you know what I mean? So a lot of it was just kind of testing the bounds, 
of what hip hop had been founded on so far. At the same time, respecting the art form, you know what I mean, respecting what had already been done, you know, not really trying to be commercial or crossover or, or sell a bunch of units per se, but just giving people like something organically uh, from the soul, you know, pure, pure like water that they could dig without it sort of leaning toward what was real, real, real super hot at the time, which was like gangster rap and, you know, the street side out of the music and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, that thing was real hot at the time. So I challenged myself in that way, like not go in that direction per se, maybe go in another direction because that's not me. You know what I mean? So yeah, kind of just culmination of ideas, songs. Um, and it was also like a Bob Marley thing, a peopleness, you know? I might write Riders of the Storm, but the other nine brothers that were sitting in the room had other things to bring to it. So Right. get together and throw ideas together yeah. right so the, the wiki says like again we're, we're trying to cross check the wiki the wiki says there's other influences like because i was always thinking riders of the storm that to me i listened to the doors did you guys that's that where that that title came from yeah um and you kind of borrowed that from that so like yeah so you were fucking with the doors at bob martley so that's accurate then all that different type of yeah. stuff as well and what happened when the singer started asking us some questions early on for a press packet you know what i mean so just off the top these were some of the artists that people threw in the pot when they asked us that particular question what's interesting is the doors movie was out around the time we were sitting around in our downtime from recording the record you know what i mean so we were watching the doors movie we're listening to like nirvana we're listening to tribe like it was like a new beginning as far as us taking in maybe stuff that we would listen to at college because we you know we were in a certain headspace certain vibe the parties had a certain you know soundtrack but this all this was opening up in our in our spare time in our downtime we're like getting records for free from the label we playing stuff people are sending us promos so yeah jeremy actually like by pearl jam sort of influenced the recording process for old magic as well you know what i mean they're both realistic stories they have a tragedy involved something people may not necessarily want to talk about, but it's like the boogeyman or boogie monster that we kind of got to face in order to move on, you know what I mean? So, yeah, those those bands came into, you know, came into play as far as influence. The Isley Brothers, big influence. Um, uh, oh, look, so here's I'm saying wow, because simultaneously, I was in my freshman, so I, I was in my freshman year of college, and I, again, this is when you guys came and performed at, at Southern Connecticut State University. But I was watching The Doors like almost every week with my friends. So I, I I was like hanging out with like some like thugged out niggas from New York. And then I was hanging out with some like hippie kids from like suburban Connecticut. So they put me on The Doors, Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, oh, all that shit. Stone uh, Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots, you know what I'm saying? Right, Rest right. in peace, Scott, the wheeling, like, like all that shit, right? And, I was going to fish shows and stuff like with like Tim's on and stuff. Right. And, and so um, it's just funny that that was, was parallel at the same time. And then you guys come to Southern. And so, like I said, I, you know, here's the story. Like, yo, I, I, I was banging the hell out of your album. Like the, my whole freshman year, 1994. 90, when did it drop? 94. What, what, do you remember the month? It was August, I think. Okay, so that's crazy. I'm, August. I'm freshman year. I'm, I'm 
freshman, like what? Coming into college, this shit. Yo, so I'm banging that all day, all day, all day, all day. And and so like when I'm hanging with my, you know what I'm saying, the hippie friends or whatever, they playing this shit for me. I'm playing boogie monsters for them. And and so that became like our call. Like we'd be across campus and to somebody be like, and then be like that'd be like that, you know, oh, oh. That, that was yeah, that, you know what I'm saying? That was that was our call. Like yeah. for like me and all my friends, like if I called up like one of my friends right now, I could be like, they'd be like, yo, and we was just bang boogie monsters, take mushrooms, like and fucking go out in the woods and the shit was Wow, bro. And it, it's crazy. Just like Lee, there's some, there's some parallels. You know, even though we were like, in the same physicality, in the same locality, it's like certain things were, 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 were touching both of us at the same time, and it affected the music that you heard. You know what I mean? That's crazy. And, and, and then the you guys come, and then you guys came. So and it, was, it was the most wild shit, because I'm banging the music, banging the music. And of all groups to be doing our spring, um, spring show, I'm like, Boogie Monsters? Like what? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm I forgot who else came, but um, yeah, that was that was that was that was wild, man. And, and that was, and that's why the, that first album is so important to me. And that's why you know talking to you and building with you has been so important to me because that '94, like, like my, I, I got my my girlfriend pregnant. You know what I'm saying? I was having to be a father. There was a lot of stuff going on. So like, you were along the ride. For like my heavy duty, you know, and then '95 came in, and that was like the wildest year of my life. You know what I'm saying? From like a, you know, perspective, kind of crazy perspective. So um, that's that's why this is so crazy to me, man. Like, you know, like chopping it up in, in terms of, you know, building about it because, and then we're talking more, and I'm finding out like you're listening to the same music that I'm listening to at the same, pretty much at the same time. College bound. Like, that Doors movie, I, I would, and I used to watch the Wall of Pink Floyd shit all the time. Like, all, all the about the Doors movie, fam, is it's kind of like a segue to what we were going to experience in the industry. And you know how in that movie, they get handed a card, they get put on, and then Jim just kind of goes left. He goes, like, into, you know, the psychedelic world. And he's experimenting with all these things, and he's got all these temptations now, and they're trying to get him to be glam or whatever. And it was a lot, you know, I didn't see it in that exact light, but, you know, being exposed to the industry after that, I could kind of see how he got caught up in the, the undertow of things, how the industry can just suck you in and, like, pull you in a direction you may not even expect it to go to as an artist, you know what I mean? Right. So I kind of took that with me, you know what I mean? That aspect of it, even though, you know, some aspects of the band, the doors are a little, you know, a little airy and dark, you know what I mean? Oh, of course. Huge lesson in that movie, though. If you ever, everybody, list, you know, you know, tuned in, peep the joint. Go watch it and see what happens uh, after they get signed and how far it takes them, like, on a new path. It's real interesting. No, no, it's 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 wild. We got to build offline more, even a little bit more, even about that. So, all right. So the first joint comes out. It's a heater. You got three. I think you dropped three singles with the, on that joint. Bangers all. Every time I post them, everybody be like, oh, that's my shit. That was my shit, honey. Honey dips and got them. You know, the whole shit, right? Everything. Oh. Like, banger. To me, that album is a, is a home run missile, no skip joint. Straight. All right, so then what happens? 
Well, like, we got, we got so there's a, a clear there. gap between that album and the and the second joint. You fill in the blank for me. We got a pause. Yeah, um, it was Before, one of those albums that looked really pristine on the front end for the audience, but there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that most of the uh, fans don't believe, couldn't believe at the time. Like, wow, is that what happened? You know what I mean? So, you know, we released the record. It was released in the third quarter, like, you know, right around the time you were at school. And Pendulum dropped us. They dropped Diggable. And they dropped Low Tug, the ones in the underground. All three. They're going for the triple crown. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's a large extension for a small label like Pendulum. And from what we were told, they just didn't have the resources after that to keep them going no more. You know what I mean? They're probably expecting, you know, you know maybe uh, Diggable gets three Grammys after that first choice, you know? And, you know, Ninth Wonder was kind of like, you know, totally authentic, you know what I mean? They didn't try to be commercial. They didn't try to necessarily stay in the jazz vein where they, their souls told them to go, just like us, just like Low Tug, you know what I mean? So on the end of that, they I think they extended themselves, you know? And initially, you know, it was wild because we sold every unit that there is to ever sell of Riders of the Storm, I need this to Gotham single, strange single, recognized threshold. You can't find it. People are now selling it for like $100 copy for the vinyl or whatever, $50. Like it's a serious collector's item. But they never shipped that many. You know, had they shipped gold, we probably would have went gold. Had they shipped gold of diggable, probably would have went gold. But I think they had a problem doing the amount of units, you know, on the shipping side those first few weeks for everybody to do a number. You know what I mean? So we had the audience with us and we had the demand for the product there but it just wasn't enough product out there at the time for us to really go where we needed to go chart wise where we needed to go sales wise commerciality wise and then the label folded right. they closed yeah, i mean leaving everybody scattered to go find something else find a new new label new resource so that's what happened ultimately and then two of the members like you know what we quit we're out Here's our resignation, you know what I mean? Which was Al and Sean, the original two. <laughs> you know what I mean? The two brothers I came in with, they decided, yeah, you know, God is telling us to go this way. Maybe get in the church, start preaching, teach people about all of the stuff, this wild stuff we're seeing in the industry. You know, we're talking about the mark of the beast. We're talking about the New World Order. You know, we're talking about the Illuminati. And, you know, we're putting some, some knowledge that we were picking up at the time in our music. So they felt like maybe hip-hop wasn't the environment that we could do that in the most powerful sense, I guess. And in a way, from my perception of it, they gave up hip-hop, you know, which I don't really feel if you're a b-boy, you can't necessarily just stop and be like, oh, I don't do hip-hop anymore. You don't do hip-hop. Hip-hop's the way of life. <laughs> you live hip-hop. It's not something you do. It's something you live. And once you decide to take, a, you know, another path, it is what it is, but from my side, it's like, yo, you're giving up on something that is ultimately us and you, and, you know, I, I got left holding the paperwork on the publishing and trying to get the contracts and stuff and closed out and getting recordings and rights and, you know, the whole night. Everybody else was sort of, those two were sort of out. This Interestingly is before the second album? Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, these are the two guys that weren't really rhyming at first. So while we're recording Riders of the Storm, like halfway through the project, they're like, we want to be MCs. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, we want to rhyme. I'm like, bro, you never been in the cypher. You never, you know what I'm saying, rocked around the college and checked out the lyrics. 
probably never even wrote a few bars. You sure you want to now, in other words, about to do this professionally? You sure that's what you want to do? Because you're going to be on stages. You're going to have butterflies in your stomach. Like, I know how it is. And when you're in front of an audience, you know, I've kind of been doing it since I was nine. I went to Def Jam when I was 14, before all of this. You know what I mean? My father took me over there, you know. Had a chance to rap for Kenny Lee, who was like uh, Russell's, you know, right hand at the time. You know, like, you're too young. Come back when you got something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but I will get back to that. But anyway, these brothers decided, yeah, we want to rhyme. So, I, you know, I had to share the publishing. I had to share the songwriters' um, rights and stuff now. So when you hear the album, they're like on some songs, and then on most of the songs, it's me and Mondo for that reason, that they did a decision that was made on the cuff, and they put pressure on me, you know, to kind of say yes. Otherwise, it was going to be an issue. You know what I mean? Like, I, being a loving brother, Sharon brother, we're all BMCs now, but there was an imbalance in the album. They weren't on every song. We already had songs in, and then they quit. Like, bro, why did you press so hard to rap and want to rock? And yeah, you need the mic, and now you, you drop the mic. Like, uh, you know, but anyway, that's what happened. They left. So they, you were kind of in limbo from 96 to 97. 95, we had Honey Dips out. So it was kind of closing out the label folds. So I had to go to the president at EMI, who kind of was over Pendulum as a subsidiary. So I went to the president. He's like, look, I'm going to give you creative control on another project, software album. I saw all of the quirks and crazy stuff that went on with you. Some other stuff went on with our sort of like production slash management company. They wanted to produce us and manage us. So that's how the production thing kind of went in the direction it went. So it's like, I've seen all of that. Give you a budget. Let you go and do what you want on your second album. I'm not going to come to the studio. I'm not going to ask about tracks. You don't have to play me anything. You remind me of some Russian composer, Stratikovsky. Look him up. This stuff is great. It's phenomenal. It sounds like him. So get in and bring me a record. That, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? It won't be a one-hit wonder. Because, you know, I could have went solo, but I called Mondo. Look, bro, you still trying to do something? Like, you got a chance to do a second Boogie Monsters record here. What you want to do? So he's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm with it. So should I stop there? So you, nah, I mean, so you can, you can. So, what was your? So that was your mindset going into it. You were still like about the hip hop and shit. Like, like they they went their direction. Because here's the thing. This is what I'm saying. I'm trying to clear up the wiki. Wiki says like. Wiki, I mean, I says, yeah, I'll pull this bitch up. It says, uh, fuck, I had it. Take it down. All right. Yeah. It says, after releasing the first album, the group became, the group became Seventh-day Adventist. Um, Yoda Red and his brother left the group. They both felt that hip-hop lifestyle was not in line with their religious activities, being a headmaster in, in uh, temples and such and such. Somewhat so, accurate. So, what, yeah, just clear that part up, because it said the group. Like, so, like, that's why I was just saying, like, all four of you guys, like, felt the same. Like, they they clearly bounced based on what they, but where were, where were you spiritually or in your head? Like, were you, like, just feeling the same way? Or, you, you know, you, I heard what you said earlier. Like, or, you, know, they, you know, they bounced from hip-hop or they, you know, quit. But um, it's a crazy story. And I know your time is limited. I'm going to yeah. get into it. So, after we get signed, we get this house in Queens in Laurelton, like, off Jamaica Avenue, you take the dollar man out that joint. <laughs> yeah, Laurel said we get like cold joints. You know what I mean? You know, where you come in the budget. So 
So we all living there. You know what I mean? Kind of bumping heads in places, but we know for the most part, it's a peaceful environment called the Boogie Monsters Manor or whatever. So we go up the block to get like Jamaican food off of America or whatever. We um, go in the record store and it's a guy in there named Dwight. Dwight starts talking about comes to the house like that night or the next night starts talking about revelations and you know the mark of the beast coming and how we really shouldn't be eating the meat nowadays because they're gonna you know do things to the meat and treat the meat in certain ways that you know will no longer be like fit for the human body we're like yo where are you getting all this from bro right to seven day of dentist you know what i mean so the night the talk we had that night was so profound um, particularly because he dropped the Sabbath on us, which I was completely unaware of at the time that, you know, some people perceive the Sabbath or the day of worship or the holy day as being on Saturday. You know, for the most part, um, in Jewish culture, they've kept Saturday as the Sabbath since the beginning of time or as a perpetual covenant. So when he brought that to the table, I'm like, wow, I've been reading this book the whole, my whole life. My parents have been exposing me to the Bible my whole life. And I had no idea that. Sunday isn't necessarily the day that, you know, we should observe or acknowledge, you know, if it's perpetual and it lasts forever, there's some validity to the Sabbath, and, you know, it's cool that I guess we go to church on Sundays and stuff too, but it just, you know, shines some light on Saturday as that day or whatever. So we're all sitting around like, yo, so what are we going to do? Are we just going to do a regular hip-hop record like we had planned to do that was just about us being B-boys and being the boogie monsters and kind of being ostracized with the boogeyman of society? That's where the name came from, kind of being like that thing that's shoved under the bed, the black male, criminalized, vilified, et cetera, you know what I mean? Or do you want to, you know, put some of this information in, you know what I mean? So we did Mark of the Beast, you know, we started integrating some of what we got from Dwight, you know, into our song. Dwight brought us all to his church, you know what I mean? So yeah, we all basically went into the Seven Day Adventist Church as students of the church, you know, to learn more. So once they had that experience while recording the album, and you know, going on tour, went on tour, did all the cities in the continental U.S. and Canada. This is where I recorded the first album. First album. Yeah, okay. yeah. We come back from all of that, and it's just like you know what? This music secular. You know, I know if God wants us in this realm, you know, what I mean, we're gonna get out. You know, so that kind of left me holding the ball. Mondo's kind of like, well, you know, we would have to do the legwork of finding another deal. I'm like, yeah, that's what. We do, you know what I'm saying? We get out here, we find other things to do. Should this happen, you know what I mean? So I went to EMI, which was on my shoulders. Like I said, pulled him along so we have a second Boogie Monsters album, which I'm grateful for. I think the audience is grateful for, you know what I mean? And it could have been a time for me to, I guess, do what they called the Busta Rhymes. They always said that I would be the artist that would bust the Rhymes them or go solo, you know what I mean, and go out of my home. But that was never really my intent. You know, if they're watching these, they'll probably trip out because they always had that flag on me, like, you're going to leave us. You're solo. And that wasn't really the case. And and no disrespect to Buster and what he's done with flip mode and, and leaders of the new school at all. You know what I mean? I respect what they've done, you know, together and separate as artists or whatever. But, yeah, they kind of put that on me, like, yeah, you're going to go solo. You're going to go out there. So when I called Mondo, to me, it was a good thing. You know, we got Godtown recorded. David had no problems with it. They did a promo and they brought some people in from Connecticut, from the tri-state area to listen to the album. Like all the DJs came up to the label, they played the joint and getting great reviews. And a week later, the late EMI fold. The week of the release of God So Yeah. And it was sticky. Like we were on BET. We had a BET promo out that week. 
But with Joe Claire, Joe Cleasy in Manhattan, we're at the Tishman building talking about this this particular building or whatever. Yeah, plug pull, you know what I mean? So it hit Billboard that they had somehow extended themselves. EMI Records, the, the group that, you know, signed the Sex Pistols back in the 60s and 70s and had all these huge artists, they were just no more. So groups like S, Mohammedia, AZ, Gangstar, Janet Jackson, Prince, like you name it, they had a lot of people over there. They had to just start shifting groups wherever they decided they were going to put them. And we were basically the babies and all of that compared to these other artists that we were just, that was it. Be in for that one. So Mondo leaves. He's like, he doesn't even pull me up face to face. He sends me a written letter like, I don't want to be in here. I resigned. I don't have nothing to do with it. Like, what, bro? Really? Really? You know what I mean? Why? Why me, God? Why? Why did I get stuck with the people who don't want to do this? Like, they said they want to do it, but they don't want to do it. Some people can't. Fuck with adversity, man. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they want the easy road. It ain't easy. It's never easy. And it's like that's what you want. So you got, you know, you got. They kind of weeded themselves out. You should be happy in some sense. But at the time, I get it. In retrospect, though, it would they, they would have weeded themselves out at some other point. You know what I mean? Some other point, but, and maybe it would have went farther. Or somebody might have got hurt. Or somebody might have went. You know. Some people have fallen along the way, you know what I mean? Not anything related to the group, but Michael Lucero, the guy who shot recognized stress with negative stress, he passed away not too long after that. And Aspen, in the car accident, um, the person who, who managed us, Francesca Ferro, um, she went on to do other things and then she passed away, you know? Dwight, the guy I mentioned, he, he's no longer with it. My fam Reggie, who was with Mondo and the original group, you know, before he got into Boogie Monsters, he's no longer with it. So, you know. Had, had they stayed, maybe something, there's a tragedy waiting, you know, to end the Boogie Monster story. So maybe it is positive that they didn't continue, but it's just been rough on me. I just, you know, here's an indie from, from that point in 97, just putting out things when I can afford to put them out on my budget, trying to get the rights back for the music. Um, when, when EMI folded, they told me, look, imagine David, the guy who I sat with, he's like, imagine a giant claw, door closing, and it's like World War Three. And your album sliding out under the door. I'm like, <laughs> like that's what's happening right now. So, and they're asking all of us to leave in a week. They're just going to clear our desk, tell us to leave everything at our desk and get out. You know what I mean? So, he's like, go over there and see what you can do to close this out with, you know, the person in business affairs or whatever. I go over there. He's like, look, I can't give you a termination fee. I can't give you any additional monies, any cash, because I have to leave here Friday. They're not cutting any checks. The people came over from the Enclave, I guess, from UK, and they came in and they said, this is what's to be. So what I can do is give you the rights back to Godsound, and you'll have complete control of your master for Godsound. You can go back out there and put it back out if you want. You'll be one of the few uh, hip-hop artists that can say, hey, I own my master, because at the time, barely anyone had that right, you know, where they completely own something that the label put out. But being that they were folded, they didn't give us the proper notice, which was only 60, 90 days or something of that caliber. We never got that. <laughs> no, it's like they dropped the hammer. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because of some of the things we said on this record, which is what a lot of the audience came and told me. Like, you know why they had that happen? You know they wasn't going to let y'all go up there and be talking about nobody release in the middle order. And they got, no, right? And I was like, really? Seriously? You really think it was us? That was EMI Records Group to collapse? They're like, yeah. <laughs> 
You know, so it's always been yeah. a question. You know what I mean? Why did it happen the week we came out? You know what I mean? Bend over. So, man. So, yeah, that went up in, in flames. So, okay, so, like, but you you have to be somewhat disheartened after that, like, after, you know, all of that. Like, where are you? So you're putting out joints and, and just living life, I guess, right? Yeah, just, I'm wearing my- I'm wearing my scars like anybody. That scarred me, bro. You know, these are people that I felt were like my, almost next to my cousins and people in my family. Like, we shared places to live together. We went around our, our campus as a squad, like you and your people's there. Like, you know, these are supposed to be friends to the end and back again. But then when you put a project or you put something business, you know, in between that and that goes awry, it just kind of sets everything else out on its own thing. So I wear my scars, you know. Me and these brothers don't necessarily click how I or feel we should click, you know, now as older men, you know what I mean? And that, that's a scar, that's something that troubles me, but it's not something I think is fixable either because of the way it went, you know what I mean? So between that, between the label, you know, um, and now with Universal, I'm not sure if I told you this the last time we spoke, but somehow, although I got the rights back to God, Sal, EMI must have chucked up a deal with Universal Music Group for Riders in the Storm and God, Sal. Because they sort of had some right to uh, Riders of the Storm, should they have fulfilled returning all the masters to me, which they did not. They never returned all the master recordings for God sent to me after promising them. So it was a breach. Everything that happened in that closing of EMI was basically a breach of contract, which means I should be able to do whatever I want with my music. You know, if I want to become an administrator and pay all the producers and put it out myself, that should be my prerogative since nobody on their end ever kept a word on anything. Somehow EMI cataloged these two albums with Universal now. So as I'm dropping Riders of the Storm online and iTunes or whatever, it'll be up there for like a year, year and a half. Things are looking great. I'm finally starting to see some royalties because they don't have my royalties set or arranged. When they folded, I guess they said, oh, the paperwork is just, oh, it's all over the place. We don't know what we owe you. So I haven't been getting my domestics all these years, bro. And I'm doing like a nice sum of domestic royalties because we had one of the best deals at the time. You got to think, Nas dropped that year, Big dropped that year, We dropped that year, Wu dropped that year. The deals were pretty lucrative for the artists that they finally let get through the turnstile. You know what I mean? Didn't get none of that, so I put it out myself. I'm saying that right here on live. I put it out myself. I don't have a right to none of my music. I own it because it didn't hold up your contract. It didn't hold up your side of the agreement. You know what I mean? So anyway, every time I put it up, they're trying to pull it down, bro. I can't keep my own music up there. And on a, on the paperwork side, they're not paying me. So I got a publishing, a publishing account with UMG sitting at a certain amount that has been for years, bro, because they will not apply any of the money that they're making off streams, off, you know, these hard digital download sales, the subscriptions, or, you know, whatever they're doing on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, whatever. They funneling it somewhere else. I don't know where it's going, but my masters never got them. No dough. Just like I said, on the back end, things that you cannot imagine happen, <laughs> happening, happening. You know what I mean? Right. So it's been a storm, and I've been riding the storm. It's ironic, you know. <laughs> we picked these titles out, and that's what it's been, bro. Vex riding the storm for the most part. Damn. All right. So we got eight minutes before we get out of here, unfortunately. And uh, what are you doing? 
like, where are you now with things? Like, what are you trying to do right now? Right now, I am like one of the few individuals like Dress who's sort of in a back and forth, quiet war, you know, with the powers that be that own the, the, you know, the stuff that I've done in the past. But I'm not a man of the past. I'm living in the present and I'm walking in the future. You feel me? So I'm not stuck on those. So I've dropped several projects. If y'all want to support me, but go out and buy two, three copies. Help me catch up for whatever, you know, else has happened in the past. It's uh, two versus killer, one bar assassin. Me and my brother teamed up. I got a younger brother who also had some bars, had some heat. So we did a Boogie Monsters 2.0, like, EP project. I was so, going to ask about that. So that's, you, that's, that's actually, that's you, though. But, okay. Yeah, that's me I, and my blood brother. It was, like, some, like, other, some just weirdo, like, I, I didn't hear that. So I thought, I didn't know if it was actually you. So that's yeah, you. that's me my brother you know my brother was always kind of in the background with me like i said b-boy and rocking out so we got together connected under the name sort of fly the flag and keep it going um i got another uh album called elements of station metamorphosis which i did a few years ago there's things out there that you know you could check out if you want to see vex as a solo artist but you know we all know i'm under the shadow of something way huger than i'll probably ever be as a solo artist or as you know a creative designer or whatever which is boogie monsters and, and, I, and i stand under that proudly you know it's kind of hard to promote you know the entity with so much controversy going on with the other members that makes it hard for me and i stopped doing it for a while like you know what i'm just gonna stop promoting that, even though it's something that I'm really proud about and I love. If we're not all on the same page with it, why should I even? But the fans don't care, bro. People like you don't want to be I mean, I down care. by that. I care know? because I know you and I know there's a history to the to the thing, but also like, you're, you're boogie monsters, though, so like, like I mean, I say it kindly, like, fuck them, like, they don't want to be a part of it, that's okay, but you, like, you're, when I hear your, your voice you know, on that joint, and it, st it stands out. Like, I mean, like, so to me, I don't know what the percentage was, but like, you were, when I thought of Boogie Monsters, I think of you first. Like, I think, when I think of like the roots, I think of Black Thought before I think of anybody, any other MC. Like, I mean, you know, whatever. So, I mean, so I think I'm glad you're, you know, you're carrying the flag. Yo, fuck it. You are the flag. You, that's you. So, and you made a mark, man. So, you know, like, big up. Appreciate you it. You know? Man. Appreciate it. And, you know, commercial sales is great. Selling, you know, 500,000 units is great. But I'm just one person. You know, I don't have a huge family. You know what I mean? Like my immediate family isn't huge. Our family, but it's small. So, you know, sometimes I don't need as much as the next guy. He needs a 12-room 12, 12 house and three cars and, you know, a private jet. I don't need all of that, you know. But if if it, if it ever becomes possible that I make multi millions of dollars, or let's say some, you know, millions of dollars comes back from the thirty years of streams or whatever, and it sells that that's that's been hidden somewhere, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something for the community with it. I'm gonna do something for hip hop with it. I don't want to live lavish and all of that, and you know, have a bunch of excessive material items. Nowadays, it ain't even, you know, worth. It to kind of go in that luxury lifestyle direction anymore, bro. It's just a cool in debt, you know what I mean? Debt that a lot of us ain't gonna be able to handle as older folks, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's gonna do something for the community. So, if you want to put money in an empty pocket who really wants to be, you know, active, you know, making this thing greater, then, then I'm your guy, you feel me? So, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, like, 
And I'm glad that you're still carrying, you know, carrying the flag. I mean, we, we need that, man. We need to, you know, hit the story. We're going to have to do, like, I think we're going to do a part two, man. I feel that coming. Edge, 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 we're going to do, we're going to do a part two. You know what I'm saying? Um, talk, talk some other, other things going on. I want to say real quick, salute to our show sponsor, Diggable Tees, always holding us down. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. On the planet. You know what I'm saying? Got to show them, show them some love. But, um, so what we're going to do, we're going to get this up on our YouTube channel. Someone says save it on, on the live. We don't save the live. We edit it and put it up on our YouTube channel. So all of, this is episode 119, all the other joints on our YouTube. Um, so you can, you know, rock with it, check them out. So this is where it'll be. And so once we edit it and, you know, clean it up, we'll get it, um, we'll get it out there within, like, you know, a few days, man. So, you know, so. Hey, shout out to everybody in here. I've seen the names going by, you know what I mean? You know, I just didn't want to interrupt what we were vibing on. Of course. To shout everybody out. But I've seen everybody, and I really appreciate y'all rolling through the support, man, for real. Yeah, salute. I mean, and you answered a lot of the questions that were that were already in the thing. I mean, as far as what you, you know, you, you're, you're you're moving it along, man. I mean, boogie monsters. I mean, like you played an important role. So I'm glad, you know, we just got to hear some of your, you know, your, your story. But so we're gonna talk some more, though, man. I mean, definitely build us some weird parallels as far as like a lot of the stuff you were sharing. <laughs> it really was, man. So, like distant you know, relatives for real. You know, but yeah, Shaq do you in the trash can. So that's uh, that's the, that's what we're going with. That's that's, that's the lead. That's that. Out of all the jewels you dropped, I'm sorry. That's the lead. No, don't make me famous for that, bro. Don't do it. Oh, thank you, thank you. But but you know, I do hope that the um that the legal stuff with Boogie Monsters works out, man. So you can you know get what you deserve because you you know you're you're Boogie, you are that. So hopefully all that works out for you. Salute to everybody joining in. Like I said, we're gonna get this up on the YouTube channel. So you you will see we'll see this and you know rock with us carrying the culture, rock with Vex and Vortex still doing it. You know what I'm saying? We finding these these Alaskan assassin in the yo yo. We gotta talk, man. You no you doubt place. Yeah, you you yeah you like a wizard. You are you a Gandalf type dude. So I know <laughs> you a Gandalf. Like and I I I, I see fellow wizard. I see you you another you a wizard. I know that. I'm a blessed bro, man. I got some more blessings, more volumes and stuff to drop on y'all. So whenever you're ready, man. So yeah, but keep them, you know, hit, you know, hit me with the music, anything you dropping or whatever, hit us, hit us with the music. Heads and head, they want to see it. You know what I mean? So we're going to do it. We're going to cut this before we uh, Instagram cuts it. No so doubt. salute. Thank you. Peace. Salute, man. We'll talk Make soon. Bio, y'all. Wow.